Welcome to the Power of Being You podcast, where we interview people who are out in the world creating change by being authentically themselves. Come along with us as we discover tips and tools that you can use to shine your brilliance even brighter. I'm Sarah Grandinetti, and I'm excited to explore the power of being you. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Power of Being You podcast. My name is Sarah Grandinetti, and I am your host today, as most days. And I am here with a gorgeous, vibrant woman who I got the pleasure of being interviewed by on her show. And I was like, I want more of you. Her name is Monica Rogers, and um, I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you, Monica. Oh, Sarah, thank you for having me. And yeah, I, same thing. I was just like, so enchanted when I talk to you and I love just your energy. So thank you for having me on your show. Thank you. And you guys, it's really easy to fall in love with her right away. Cause she uses words like enchanted in a sentence. So <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay. So a little bit about Monica. So bringing an infectious warmth, like I've already told you and playful levity, wherever she goes, Monica Rogers is a tireless advocate for the full actualization of women, inspiring women everywhere that saying yes to the mess is the missing link to self-love and personal liberation and awakening through the revelation project podcast and group coaching programs. Monica guides women through their inner revolution or evolution from trance to transcendence, revealing the toxic myths of social conditioning and self-doubt in order to illuminate the magic and magnificence of our imperfect selves. She believes that women can take action towards realizing our true potential only when we stop proving and striving to be who everyone else wants us to be. Amen. When we <laughs> reveal the truth of who we are, we return to our original design. And with the practice of self-love and compassion, we become aligned opening the portal into our divine purpose where true prosperity dwells. There has never been a more important time for women to reveal the truth of who we are as a catalyst for positive change in the world as the divine feminine returns in the Sophia century. So exciting. And if you don't already have um, goosebumps all over your body, then check your pulse, ladies and gentlemen. All over um, your body. <laughs> So, um, before we started recording, Monica and I were kind of wrapping a little bit about what we wanted to chat about with you today. And the thing that came up was this, um, this thing, this programming where us women feel responsible, where we grew up and we watch maybe our moms go to, um, being all the things like the chauffeur and the chef and the doctor and the teacher. And we're responsible for so many things that we think it's all up to us. And I would love for you, Monica, to give me a little bit about like what you're aware of, of where we start to buy into that, why we start to buy into that. And then what do we give up in order to create that? Oh, yes, yes, yes. We'll dive right in. Um, so through socialization, you know, we are, women are taught from a very, very young age when we're little girls, um, that, there's a certain way to behave, you know, that those, <clears throat> a lot of responsibility is placed on our shoulders at a very young age to act a certain way, to speak a certain way, to dress a certain way. Um, and I think, you know, I look at it a lot like 
death by a thousand tiny paper cuts. It doesn't just happen, you know, in one foul swoop. Um, it's a series of micro doses <clears throat> of unworthiness. It, it like it challenges our worthiness as we kind of come into what I call maidenhood. Um, and in maidenhood, what happens a lot is that we become so focused um, or the focus of others' attention, especially in a very sexualized or objectified way, so that our bodies become emotionally uninhabitable. So we actually leave, we disassociate, we go up into our heads, and we are then entranced in this place of unworthiness. And it's actually uh, the real journey is in the unbecoming, which is when we dare to re-inhabit our bodies, when we dare to say yes to the mess that is all of these places we've been taught not to go. So they're unfamiliar to us. We don't have practice with them, such as staying in our emotions when we're in discomfort, such as trusting our intuition when it tells us hell no, or even more hell yes. When um, we are faced with the story of the virgin or whore, complex and nothing in between. And we have to figure out what is our turn on? How do we define pleasure? Where can we feel it, name it, know it? Um, so saying yes to the mess is what it's all about. And the unbecoming process is unbecoming. Uh, I'm so excited that I'm having this conversation with you. Right now. <laughs> I know um, we don't do video on this podcast, but if you were watching, you would see me jumping up and down. Um, so what you brought to mind. So with this, with this, and you and I talked about it ahead of time, like I don't prepare um, questions. I, I listen and then, and then I pop what excites me out of what you say. So um, what popped in here, Monica, was when you said that we leave our bodies and we go to our heads, I I'm wondering what you know about like the women out there that are desperate to find out like why they don't experience orgasm during sex. And I just took a sharp left here or maybe going down the same path, but anyhow, um, because that just, that just broke up open something for me as, as a facilitator of classes of looking at, at where women are, are desperate to find their orgasm with a partner mm -hmm. where once they've already chosen the partner or I'm going to, I'm doing air quotes here. One, the partner, if you will, they did that all from their head. A lot of the time, not actually, um, communing with their bodies in the choice for who they're going to date or who they're going to go to bed with that it stays up in their head. And so what, what have you explored and what do you know about this woman? I want to hear everything. <laughs> oh, there's so much. So yeah, this is such a rich conversation. And I, I love the territory. I, I'm also going to raise my hand and say that um, it's that because there is so much here, um, I am going to speak from personal experience and not so much about generaliz generalizations. Please and do. I, lo I love that. Please do. Yeah. Yeah. And 
And there's also been enough, right? Like I've done enough research and enough coaching to kind of have a general sense of exactly what you're talking about. So, um, so from my own experience, I would say that so much of the trance is the programming, right? That we grow up with. And a lot of times um, from, again, from a very young age, we're taught that pleasure is wrong or bad or dirty and it's our birthright. So first of all, women are designed for pleasure. And my favorite part about the revelation project is revealing all of the lies that we've been told because what gets revealed gets healed. And when it comes to our bodies, um, there's also this other way that we've been taught that we need an intermediary in order to access the divine, right? And as women, we've been conditioned to think that we're somehow like the sidekick of men and not the other way around. So in other words, we, we've been living in the upside down, right? We were, many of us, you know, if we were raised in a religion, many of the creation stories tell us that we literally came from the rib of a man. I mean, how ridiculous is that? We know that this is not how it happens. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that to light. <laughs> and yet it, the, these stories, these mythologies live in our bodies. And so it actually takes some real um, fortitude and courage to start to really unpack what we've been buying, what we've been subscribing to and why. And I guarantee that most of the women listening traded their sovereign knowing in order to belong, in order to be loved. And so the body, instead of becoming this playground, it becomes this scary unknown place for women. And we don't even know how to stay in discomfort, let alone pleasure. So, so true. And, and bringing in that responsibility piece too, is like where our bodies are guilty of not following. Like we just, by having a female body, there's this energy of responsibility that I'm aware of, but then also if the, if we create turn on in someone else, it's not even our turn on it's their turn on and we're responsible and also guilty at the same time for having created it. So it's like all looped up in there, but it has nothing to do with the playground and of pleasure that you just mentioned of what we could actually receive and perceive with and through our bodies. It's yes. always that outward thing that we're either avoiding, you know, or, um, trying to distract from, or not actually receiving. Wow. All right. What else? Where are you going? <laughs> All right. So, so again, I'm going to share from personal experience. Um, so I would say that I would, I've always been a very 
sexual person, sensual, I would say, right. Sensual that, and, and here's where like the neurobiology of women is so fascinating to me because we're literally designed for pleasure. We are, our design is so uniquely designed for pleasure that once you start really kind of like unraveling this ball of yarn, you're just like, you you know, so much of the journey of unbecoming for me has been kind of sitting in the shock of my own complicity in, you know, and again, it's unconscious, but it's, it's why I think the reason that we have been conditioned in or in to be this way is because if women knew our own sufficiency and we knew our own power, we wouldn't have the issues that we have in the world because, and, and I know that sufficiency is not a sexy word, but it is when you really know the meaning of it. it. It's, it means a woman who is full of herself and by full of herself, I mean that she's daring to re-inhabit herself to the point where she is, has reclaimed all of the power centers that she had formerly abandoned in exchange for love and belonging, because it's when she stands in her own worthiness, then she's now, um, she's now able, capable, not responsible. She's now in choice at every moment. And the beauty of standing in that place is that she also knows that there's more here, so much more. There's enchantment, there's play, there's uh, levity, there's, um, you know, and this is where I think we disassociate when we get into a sexual conversation or we get into intimacy because what it really is, is intimacy. And if we're afraid of what's in here and we don't know what's in here, then why the hell would we want somebody else to see what's in here? So I think part of this is women starting to get really, really curious about what turns you on because each one of us is different. And it's like, when I, when I talk about what turns me on, um, I'm talking about a whole variety of things, right? And I offer and invite any of the women listening to start doing pleasure research and start asking yourself things like, why do I keep the fine china locked away only for the guests? Why, right? Like, why do I work so hard and don't leave any room for spontaneity or play or, and 
if you are not kind of like continually creating a smorgasbord of opportunities in which to say, yes, that, or no, not that, like, how are you supposed to know, right? Like if everything is just routine. So I think where pleasure research also comes in very handy is in the bedroom, of course. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so there's a way I think, again, we have to examine and even interrogate some of the beliefs. And so many of these things have been made taboo and we can unmake them taboo. I think more and more women are starting to share. And I think this is also the beauty of sisterhood and, um, and creating and recontextualizing spaces where circles of women gather together, because when we're all together doing the work of unbecoming, we, we get to re-narrate the story and we get to do that by looking at where we're still telling ourselves a story of shame or where we're still telling ourselves a story about our bodies, you know, and where we're still telling ourselves a story about uh, approval or validation or, you know, I, I mean, there's so many stories that we tell ourselves. And so the only way I think that we can start to tell a new story is by revealing the ones we're telling ourselves and then consciously creating the new story. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. And I love that you brought up pleasure. Oops. Knocking the microphone around, brought up, brought up pleasure and, and the bedroom because like, that's often the only place people are willing to look for pleasure too. Whereas like you can eat orgasmic food and get turned on. You can feel the the breeze against your skin and allow a turn on. It's not all like wrapped up sexually, but when people hear that, that's where they want to take it. And that's where we have so many lies going on about what we get to be, what we can ask for. Um, I'm always wondering why us women lie so much in bed. Like you hear about women, like faking orgasm and doing those things in order to promote the, the male ego or whatever that is. And you can deconstruct that with me as well, but we, we, um, lie in order to make someone else's sexual experience more fruitful. And a lot of it is what I'm hearing from you is that we don't actually know what turns us on. So how are we ever going to tell someone else what turns us on if we don't have the awareness for ourselves and looking into the, the, the lies and the stories that actually aren't true for us that we're continually buying and retelling, um, is an amazing place to start. So how do we, how do we do that? How, how would, if someone's listening to this and going, okay, Monica, okay, Sarah, I hear you. I lie about my orgasm all the time. I don't know how to have one. Um, I would like to have more freedom. I would like to go through the process of unbecoming. What do you know that they can start looking at? Um, even today. Yeah, well, so the first thing I would say to look at is knowing, like, do you know what you like? And is it, is it more kind of like pretending not to know what you like, right? Because we can do that too. We can kind of like pretend not to know that we like 
naughty things, you know, because they're naughty or whatever, you know, again, there's a story there, but so first it's, do I really know what I like, but maybe I don't have the language for it, or I don't know what it looks like to express that because I've never seen it done in a way that, and that's, you know, I want to say that I think that that's part of this is that this is why recontextualizing and circling with women who are doing this work is so important is because as we start to see it modeled, um, meaning that we're in circle with women who are actually sharing in a way that celebrates in a very open way, the way women are you know, breaking through their own self-imposed boundaries. Um, and so first of all, do you, do you know what you like and you just don't know how to language it? And if that's the case, then great, let's find some language for you. Um, if it's, and then let's look at how to play with that language, because first it's how do we language it in the world? Um, like, I know that sounds silly, but one thing that I practice in my women's circle is we practice framing our favorite phrases or our favorite things about what a, what somebody said, right? It's a way to kind of reflect. It's a way for me to know my pleasure by what I just saw. And she knows that I'm expressing it because I'm reflecting it back at her in a small, like in a frame. Right. And so, um, There's also other ways where sometimes, especially if this is a topic of your women's circle, where when women are sharing, like, here's what I did, you know, to kind of uh, switch things up and here's what I learned, right? That's powerful. So Sarah, I know you coach, right? Like this may be a coaching circle exploration for the next group you hold, But here's what I also want to say is pleasure is not fast. Actually, in a lot of the ways that we operate in the world is at this really, really hectic pace and our nervous systems for heaven's sakes are so overtaxed. And so part of this pleasure research is really slowing down. And that includes in the bedroom. Um, you know, and I would say that I really never had a pleasurable, a super pleasurable experience until I met the man that I'm with now and have been with for 13 years. You know what I mean? Because, and he has taught me so much, actually, it was him that taught me how to slow down how to, you know, like receive, I didn't know how to do any of that. And I had so much armor up. I had condi- I, I was so conditioned to disassociate. And so the other thing I would offer is noticing when, where do you abandon your body? I love that you brought up receiving. So I, this is, this is my ADHD brain. So I'm going to do this real quick. One, I have to go back to where you were talking about women created for pleasure before we get off this podcast. Cause I would love to know what you received that blew your mind. So I just need to put a pin in that because Sarah's brain will forget. Cause she's very excited right now. Okay. Um, okay. 
Um, when you bring up receiving now, I know, um, I've been married for 24 years, been with my husband for 24 years. And for the first, um, 19, 18 of those years, I would not receive oral sex from him. Um, because of the story, because of the guilt that I have had, or I had around, um, like vaginas being nasty, vagina, like who, like all sorts of things that were in my world that were not my story, but were what I was taught where I picked it up. I had a conversation in seventh grade. I remember of feeling guilty. I had someone in my life who always had, um, kind of like yeast infections when I was a kid. And so I smelled that connected those things, created a story who would want to do that. And this is just, you know, girl chat right here being vulnerable. But for those many years, I was like, no, no, you don't have to do that. No, no, no. I would like tap him. No, no, no. It's okay. You're not obligated there. And then one day I, I had done enough work and I was like, okay, I'm ready to lay here and not stop you and just receive and had the first connection sexually to my body ever. Mm-hmm. And was blown away. And he was like, and when we talk in access consciousness about receiving, um, we talk about how like someone can walk around in a gift with a gift in their hands, but if no one will ever open, it, it doesn't matter what gift you mm-hmm. be. So someone else's receiving is truly the gift. And he's like, I've been wanting to contribute that to you for 20 years and you would never let me. And so he was holding this capacity of delivering oral pleasure to the woman that he asked to marry him and, and I wouldn't receive it. And so, and like, I'm like, and I'm like over here, like totally turned on and crying. Right. Cause I'm like, right. It's like, it's so, it's so beautiful what you just said, you know, and it's so true. Yeah. And, and you talking about the husband, the husband you've had for 13 years now being the one that opened you to receiving, it's like that inclusion of, of men or or same sex partners, but someone else who actually truly does like adore your body would love to contribute to the pleasure that you have is part of, in my interesting point of view of, of getting to a place where you're making choices that include your body, your pleasure, and you're choosing people who would like to have that be the same, like for them and for you, where it's a creation that is ever evolving and moving and playing that includes the body and not this thing that I know I bought. And I would love to hear um, you know, what, what, you know, about this too, as a young girl, I truly bought that my body was here for the pleasure of men, that it didn't actually include me. And, um, that I had to, like, if I turned them on, I had to then do something about it, or I had to avoid turning them on. My body was here as a reflection of a man's turn on, not about mine ever, you know? And so yeah. I would love to hear you talk about that receiving more. And then what you know about like that. And I think you already are, but like looking at the inclusion of yourself with that receiving conversation. Yeah. Well, if it's okay, I want to, I want to first go back to, again, those stories that are projected upon young girls and women, because I mean, that is just some bullshit that continues to need to be unpacked over, like over and over and over again in our society that, um, you know, we're in a time of great revelation. I, I kind of call this time the apocalypse, but I, I, I love what that means. The origin of the word is to reveal, you know? And so I look at these times that we're in and I see the things that are happening and I always, really look through the lens of it's happening for us. Like it's opening these portals of opportunity. And again, we're at choice. Do we want to change the story? 
Um, and so much of the, you know, smorgasbord of choices that are on the table is this story around women and our worthiness or our enoughness, you know, or our, uh, sovereignty, you know, it's like, we, we have got to start to look at where we are pretending not to know that we're still living in shame, or we're pretending not to know that we have body issues that need to be addressed. I mean, we cannot heal it if we can't reveal it, you know, and we have to, we have to dare to be honest about these things. Um, and so I want to also, because I think it's really important that, that we feel emotionally safe with our partners before we're willing to feel anything else, because that is the key for women to feel emotionally safe is where pleasure begins. And if you're not emotionally safe and you don't feel emotionally safe, then that has to be addressed first. So, um, as it relates to the design of women, I would have to point you to a couple of resources, but one thing that I came to learn was through the work of mama Gina, and she wrote a book called pussy, a reclamation, right? Cause we're not supposed to say that word. It's a quote unquote, dirty word. Um, well, who said, who says I, I like the word, my grandma, my teachers, my mom. <laughs> as soon as <laughs> you said grandma, like I went, yeah, no, I'm kidding. Um, but, but yeah, and that, um, and in that she actually talks about some resources and the neurobiology of women and the fact that we literally have like thousands of nerve endings that, that run into the clitoris. And so, and, and it's fascinating, right? When you think that we were literally designed, um, to, and if you ask mama Gina, it's, it's all about making decisions from that place. It's about like checking in all the time, you know, and just being like, I don't know, hold on, let me check in, you know? <laughs> um, but it, it really is all about, um, you know, that, that is, are acts like one of the biggest power centers. And when you actually start to look into even the ancient herstories, I mean, I don't know if y'all realize this, but every single story in mythology was co-opted and changed to fit the patriarchal narrative, mm. you know, like these stories and how they originated and how, you know, everything got turned upside down. There was a time, you know, when goddesses, um, you know, were the center of civilization, you know, and goddess worship, everybody knew that, you know, the true creation myth, um, which was that, you know, women were, you know, all about that source and cycle of life and death, you know, that that's where it begins and that's where it ends. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there's a tremendous amount of herstory that has been unearthed 
and is really important for women today to start to become exposed to. So I'll give you some resources, Sarah, to put in the show notes if you'd like, but for sure, I would look into that because, uh, the neurobiology part is fascinating. Another woman who wrote a lot about this extensively is in a book called vagina appropriately. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was Naomi Wolf, I believe. And it, another fascinating story. But to get back to pleasure and, you know, in the bedroom, right, with your partner, I would say first, if you have any shame around self-simulation, masturbation, again, the only way we're going to know is if we go to, you know, have that experience and we get stopped, right? That's the moment to get curious. And I just want to offer that that's where I was. It actually was through the reading of that book I just mentioned, which was written by Regina Thomas who's also known as Mama Gina. Um, you know, and she can be either be people's cup of tea or not. I I really had to like push through my my, I was like, Oh, you know, like reading it. And then I had this kind of breakthrough because what I had to face as I was reading it were all of the places that I had to just sit through my discomfort, my conditioned discomfort Mm -hmm. in order to get to the heart of what she was saying. And it's powerful. So part of that reading that book gave me permission to explore my own body with way more permission um, and to just start to disrupt those stories of shame. And that's that, that's where the practice of self-approval comes in, because if we're ever going to truly disrupt all of these mythologies that we've been taught to believe and create a new story, we've, we've got to kind of see, right? Like where, where are we hesitating? Where are we, you know, where do we get stopped? Where do we leave our body? Where do we disassociate? Start keeping a journal, just start noticing. I mean, noticing is the biggest thing. So some of you may want to invest in a fabulous vibrator, right? Like All of this gets to be part of your pleasure research. Experiment with light touch, soft touch, you know, harder, you know, like whatever, but like really start to understand what turns you on, what gives you pleasure. And even speaking it, even saying to your partner, that gives me pleasure. When you just said that it turned me on hell, he could be in his friggin' work boots, sweaty as hell. And he's like, you know what? I'm not going to take your shit. And you might say, great. I'm totally turned on right now. <laughs> exactly. And I <laughs> just the permission that you're being, I'm going to say being not even giving, but that you're being with this Monica by your very being, um, I can perceive opening up spaces because we are also so conditioned in all of this that you're talking about, but to never even express what turns us on or to, you know, how like, do they know? I know. I, I and know. I'm like, and how are they supposed to know? I, I know. 
girl preach. I know. And we might have to do another podcast and come back and come the other side of like the gift that it could be for men because it is um, such a gift. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's the, that's the thing that I really am, am getting to in my own relationship is like, he just wants to give, you know, and my whole, my whole, most of my relationship, I have been a brick wall. Yep. You know, like he just wants to please me. Like he really does. Like, what would it actually be like to like embody the queen and just say, that gives me pleasure. That does not bring me pleasure. Yes, that. No, not that. Right. Like it's really, it can be playful. It doesn't have to be this big, you know, arduous task, ladies, you know, and yeah. I mean, it, it just brings some freedom and some levity to these places. There are so many fun spinoff conversations going on in my head right now. <laughs> I'm just like, you know, like the gift that that is for a man that just, that desires to bring pleasure that we're holding onto it because we're not supposed to receive the pleasure. It's like this whole fucking wild loop of lies. It is. And I want to say, you know, for as much as women and, and you probably know this and your listeners, but I'm going to say it anyway, which is that for as much as we've been conditioned as women, they too have been conditioned as men. And so I think as partners, especially partners who really love and support each other to be in, to give each other permission to be in this unbecoming process together could be a really powerful exploration, you know, where you kind of just redesign how you want to be in relationship for a few months or a few weeks, you know, and get playful around it. And maybe you both are doing some pleasure research, maybe, you know, I mean, anything is, is possible when you start kind of getting into the energy of play. Yeah. I love, I love that you just, I'm I'm probably going to wrap us here because that energy (laughs) of play is, um, is really like, if you go to that, you can look even into children's worlds and see how they play and interact and don't make things significant. And we'll crack a joke and make it laugh, like, you know, add laughter and fun and how that changes the energy of any communication really when we pull the significance out of it and the heaviness of it or the fear of being judged or rejected. And you brought that up of being emotionally safe. And, and if you acknowledge that you had that, like how much further could you go with, um, kind of unwrapping all of this for yourself in regards to pleasure and play and getting to know our bodies and then telling these stories and, and so many things. (laughs) So many things, right. There's a lot of territory here. I mean, to be explored, which is, which is really amazing when you think about how, how many possibilities and potentials are here. Yeah. Yeah. And you just opened a huge, huge door. I can perceive it. And I know the listeners are going to love this conversation. I'm so grateful. Um, so I've got two more questions for you. One, I'm going to ask you this one first. So if someone would like to find out more from you and about you and your work and all that you're creating, where would they go? So thank you, Sarah. So they would go to jointherevelation.com or you can find me on Instagram at revelation woman. 
And really everything is either in that link tree on Instagram or um, through Join the Revelation, which is where the podcast library is. And um, it's also where I have a free gift for your listeners if they would like. It's actually probably pretty appropriate for this conversation. Um, It's called the Bill of Rights. And it's really about remembering that we have the right to be messy. We have the right to be magnificent. We have the right to be in our pleasure, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's like a whole kind of prose poem, like bill of rights, and you can print it out and then write your own, you know, it's just really a muse, but it definitely was something that helped me embody this permission granting, I I started realizing like, nobody out there is ever going to give me permission to be in my pleasure. (laughs) You know, like, Mm. it's got to come from me. And nobody's going to give me permission to raise my hands for opportunities. You know, well, it's just a whole nother (laughs) call this podcast permission to pleasure. (laughs) permission to pleasure. There you go. I love it. So yeah, please print that out. And thank you so much for having me. Mm, You're wonderful. And I'll have you over and over again. Um, so the last, the last question is we call this podcast, the power of being you, if you were to write the show's description, what would you say the power of being you is? Mm. The power of you is being fully permissioned, like where you don't edit, you don't suppress, you don't perform, you don't please, and you don't polite. I want to put that on a t-shirt. That might be my favorite (laughs) answer yet. (laughs) No more. And then the list. I love it so much. Um, thank you so much for joining me. Um, and thank you listeners for, uh, leaning into this conversation with this gorgeous woman. What else is possible when we start to create for our own pleasure and, um, not always, uh, judging what we can create based on what other people are willing to receive, but more, um, the power that is you within your pleasure. I am so grateful and, um, what else is possible? And we'll see you again next time for another episode of the power of being you. Bye. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Power of Being You podcast. If this conversation has been a contribution to you, please share, subscribe, or leave a review. For more information about Being You or to learn more about the amazing tools of Access Consciousness, you can go to www.accessconsciousness.com. How much fun can you have exploring the power that comes with truly being you?